The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. This is episode 23 of Teen Girls Investigate Crime Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. And this is take two of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, funny story. Funny story. Apple literally corrupted all of this episode's files. So we are recording this. It's 8 o'clock the night before it's going to upload. <laughs> yes. So bear with us. Bear with us. I'm eating dinner. I'm hungry. And... I just ate some cake that tasted like a Nutrigram bar. Yes. Um, so we're, we're thriving. But yes. let's just get started with today's episode. Today we'll be covering the Darlie Routier case, which is pretty infamous and honestly just horrifying. But again, before we get started, happy 16th birthday, Izzy! Oh my god, thank you so much! And I'm also sorry you have to deal with this re-record like, the night before you turn 16. You know, it's totally fine. Anything for the fans. Anything for the fans. Anything for the fans. And fans, go wish her a happy birthday on Instagram. Go do it right now. Go comment and be like, happy birthday, Izzy. Because <laughs> she's turning 16, and that's pretty cool. The big one six. The big one six. So let's just get started with the case now that we've done all of our pre which moves it's. Yes. Um, so Darlie Lynn Peck Routier was born on January 4th of 1970 in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Can I just say, her name... Four names. It's it's a little excessive, but, I mean, she only acquired the last one when she was an adult. Well, I guess, like, a teenager, kind of. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's a lot of names. But, you know, when I plan on getting married, I plan on keeping my name, but also taking theirs. That's what my mom did. Yeah, I, I just, I vibe with that. Like, I don't want to give up my name, but also, like, I want I want a lot of names. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> I totally get like the hyphenated, the fancy yeah. one. Like I don't want to, I don't want to just have mine because mm-hmm. then I feel like I feel like I'm not married, which is kind of like, like no, total, that's, that's totally that. like patriarchy like stuff. But yeah. also like I, I just want both. Yeah, it would be nice to have. <laughs> it both. would be nice to have both. Anyway, back to Darlie Lynn. During her childhood, she lived with her parents and her sister. And as a teenager, she moved to Labock, Texas, with her mom and stepfather. Labock. Yes, like the chicken, bok bok. I can't. I can't with the name. It literally makes me think that they lived on, like, a chicken farm. (laughs) And so when living in Texas, she met her future husband, Darren Routier, and he happened to work at the same restaurant as her mom. And he was 17 at the time, and she was 15. I can't even, like, imagine that. Like, that's... No, that's... All those couples who meet when they're, like, really young, and then somehow stay together. Like, I just don't. Well, clearly these people were doomed. Well, yeah. Doomed from We're, we're talking about them on our <laughs> podcast, so... But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, high school sweethearts, I feel like it either goes very well for them or very south very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Um, so she attended high school at Montgomery High School and graduated in 1988, and later that year she married Darren and they moved to Rowlett, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. They had three sons. Devin was born on er, June 14th of 1989, Damon was born on February 19th of 1991, and Drake was born on October 18th of 1995. Okay, let me, all these. All these, yeah. All these. It, that's a lot of D's, and, like, the parents are D's, too. And all the names sound exactly the same. No, they're really hard to differentiate. It's not like one was, like, like, I don't know, what's an example? I don't know, what's something that's really Daniel? different? Yeah, one was, like, Daniel, and one was, like, Dairy. I don't Dork. know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all kind of, Devin and Damon, 
Devin, Damon, Darren, and Darling. Aren't those the people from Vampire Diaries? Oh my god, yeah. Are they really? I've never watched Vampire Diaries. I watched, I only watched like a few of the episodes. I only watched the ones where like the main character and one of the other, never mind. One of the other guys (laughs) together. Okay. Um, so there are a few strange things that should be noted about their family before we get into the timeline. So first, they spent a lot of money on things that they could just not afford and built up a shit ton of debt, like, to the point where they had trouble, like, paying off their mortgage. Seriously? Yeah, so they were constantly renovating their house and just buying flashy cars and jewelry, and they even helped a cancer (laughs) patient pay for their mortgage bill, which, I mean, like, props them for doing a good deed, but, like, if they can't pay for their own mortgage, (laughs) enough money to pay for your own mortgage, why are you helping other people you don't know? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And these were all things that they just could not afford because their only source of income was Darren's job at a small electronic company. So it wasn't like he was, like, rolling in the big bucks at, no. like... No. Like, know. Apple or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. No, he was at some small electronic co- company in Texas. <laughs> and so they were also having marital issues at the time, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was related to the money. I mean, like, yeah. They, they were struggling big. financially, and then that led to a lot of mar- marital issues. Mm-hmm. And Darley had actually almost committed suicide in the months leading up to the crime, and she had written a note to her children in her diary. Oh, that's awful. That's really sad. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get into the timeline. So, this timeline is very brief. 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 (laughs) Okay. We really only cover, like, the actual crime in this incident. Yeah. So, June 5th of 1996, Darlie and her two older sons, Devin and Damon, decided that they wanted to sleep in the living room for the night. Like, just, like, a super chill thing. Like, they were going to... Like, almost like, you know how you were younger and you used to sleep in the living room? It was like camping, almost. I never camped in my living room, but this really makes me want to. Yeah, no, like, um, like, doing a fort or putting out mattresses, and Darlie said that they made popcorn and watched a movie. I was never allowed to make forts. Because you had to clean them up? Yes. I remember that. (laughs) Because I had that rule, too. But I used to make them, and one time, oh my god, this is so bad. So, at least in the United States, stamps cost like 30 cents each. Uh-huh. I stuck a sheet on the wall using only stamps. <laughs> um, it was like, I used like a hundred stamps. Oh my god. Why couldn't you use tape? I don't know. I thought it was tape. I thought it was tape. Oh my god, Izzy. Yeah. Um, of course you did. Yeah, that's such a mean thing to do, Izzy's honestly. Izzy's had chaotic energy from the start. Very chaotic. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, they wanted to sleep in the living room, and Darlie said that, like, by 10.30 they had all watched a movie, and the, both the boys were asleep. So, Darlie and, um, what was his name? Darren. Darlie and Darren ended up, like, he came downstairs, and they had a conversation about, like, finances and, like, typical adult stuff, and they actually had a conversation. Well, clearly they need to talk a lot about their finances. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they also had a conversation about a beach trip to Mexico that she was going to take with her friends. As one does when they're house poor. Yes, exactly. As one does when they cannot pay their mortgage. Hmm. Um, Yeah, and I mean, like, clearly it was, yeah, it was just an adult conversation. And she says that later on that night, they ended up, like, snuggling for a while, and then he went back up to bed in their bedroom by himself. Okay, so I have to point this out because I think that this is a little bit strange about because what's about to happen, the timeline portion of this, like when he woke up and yeah. just went back upstairs, well, it he, doesn't exactly he was upstairs by like one or one thirty. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why he went upstairs. Exactly. 
But also, I do have to say, Darlie had been sleeping on the couch for about a week because she had not been sleeping really well. And I mean, like her husband thought that like a change of scenery would help because their seven month old son, Drake, had been like, it, she was such a light sleeper that him just rustling around in his crib would wake her up. That's insane. Shouldn't it be like the opposite? Yeah, literally. Shouldn't he be the light sleeper? Yeah, exactly. Like, li- like that's a different level of light sleeping too. Um, so later on in that night, basically early in the morning of June 6th at about 2 a.m., Darlie claims that she was awoken by her son who was pushing on her shoulder trying to wake her up. And when she awoke, she looked over and saw that her son was wheezing and she could see that her other son's lifeless body was on the floor surrounded by blood. Oh my God. Yeah. And she said that she then saw a man who was standing at the foot of the couch and he started to run away when he saw her get up. Oh my God. Yeah. She doesn't know what this guy looks like, like at all, no identification or anything. And, um, like her throat had actually been like very deeply cut on the side and she claims that it was stung by the attacker when she was asleep, and when she awoke, she didn't feel it because of the adrenaline. Wait, she claims that he stabbed her, and it didn't wake her up quite yet? Yeah. She, was, she didn't wake up it until her son, her son pushed her on the enough. shoulder? Yeah. That's interesting for a light sleeper. Yeah, very... Like, a heavy sleeper might awake if someone stabbed them in the neck. In the neck, yeah. I um, mean, I think if anyone was stabbed in the neck, they would just wake up. I think if someone even got on top of me to stab me in the neck it would wake me up i just think it's what you do you wake up you wake up is that an ad for something it's like there's like something it's like it's just what you do probably i feel like it's like an insurance I feel like I thing or that. something anyway if you get stabbed in the neck you wake up it's wake just up. what you do yeah it's just what you do and she said that this guy started like running through their kitchen and out of their garage and i mean she said that she started instantly yelling for her husband and let me add Her husband says that he was awoken because he heard her screaming Devin's name, and that's what woke him up. Um, So, I mean, yes, it's inconsistent, but I have to say, he was sleeping, and that was what woke him up, and also Devin and Darren. All of their names sound the exact same. It's the exact same. They're all ending with like an N or an M, and they all start with a D. Yeah. How could you not hear? I could totally understand how those guys are. Because if you hear someone yelling and you're half asleep, are you really going to understand what they're saying? Exactly. Like he just got up and he knew he was. When I hear yelling when I first wake up, I cannot comprehend it. It just sounds like someone's like barking. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I've literally, I'm a very heavy sleeper. I can fall asleep in restaurants. I fell asleep at a Megan Trainer concert. And you did what? Grind. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to a Because I didn't want to go. I've I didn't want to be there. Why? Because I don't like her. Oh. And I was really jealous of her because she married the guy from Spy Kids. <laughs> I was about to say she married that guy from Spy Kids. Yeah. The guy from Spy Kids is so ugly, though. Yeah. Um, well, sixth grade me didn't know that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I fell asleep at her concert, and I've also fallen asleep in a Best Buy parking lot when there was a car alarm going on next to me. Anyways, um, her husband basically ran downstairs, and, I mean, he immediately saw, like, the scene that was, like, in front of him. He saw his two sons, boys, like, lifeless bodies on the floor, and he, I I, I mean, he immediately started to attempt to do CPR and mouth-to-mouth, but, like, his efforts were totally fruitless because every time he would, okay, this is really graphic, but like every time he would push on their chests or try and do mouth to mouth, like blood and air would just like 
go through the knife wounds because of how deeply they had been stabbed and how many times. Like, and it this is why we have through. a trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, this is why we have a trigger how warning. How other podcasts sometimes don't have trigger warnings, I'll never understand. No, exactly. Like, I've never listened to a true crime podcast that had a trigger warning before. I, I mean, I don't even, why do we decide to do it? Just like, we want to, like, cover our asses. Yeah, just in, ca- like, just in case. Just in case. Just in case some, like, nine-year-old comes across our podcast and starts listening, and then they're, like, yeah. mentally disturbed forever. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, Darlie then called police at 2.31 a.m., and they are at the house within minutes. Jillian, do you want to talk about the 911 call a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, the 911 call was pretty long and hard to understand, so instead of playing the audio, we're just going to briefly explain all the important parts of it, because there's no point of view trying to figure out exactly exactly. what they're saying and what it means. And I just like it more when we talk about it. I don't know why. I don't really love listening to 911 calls. I I always tune out when I hear a 911 call. Yeah, and they're always like... Yeah, yeah, that was a sorry about sound. That. <laughs> but that's what they like. Okay, so the okay, 911 okay. call. Starting off, Darlie kept addressing her sons as my babies. And she would say that they were dead instead of saying that, like, her sons had been stabbed or injured or something. Ugh. And it almost seemed like she was distancing herself from the murders. And she never even asked the operator what to do or how to do CPR or how to help. And I... It could be weird, but it also could just be she was doing something else and her husband was giving CPR. Yeah, like, exactly. I get I mean, that. I feel like that's like kind of a, it could go both ways, I guess. Yeah. And also by saying that they're dead, which is like what the, that's what I really think is bizarre about yeah, it. Yeah, like, exactly. It's showing that like she just is automatically thinking they're dead. And clearly they're not because her son woke her up like tapping on her arm. Exactly. He was like pushing on her. I don't, I don't he understand. He clearly him. wasn't dead. And then also if like... Let's say I walked in and I saw someone that I knew or that was my sibling, even though I don't have any siblings or my child or whatever, and they were, like, really badly injured. I would not call the police and immediately say they're dead if I can't determine that. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Okay, and also, she kept saying that she had been hurt and that her injuries were really bad, and it almost seems like she was trying to say, like, oh, I couldn't have done this because I'm also hurt. Oh, my God. Like, she kept repeatedly pointing it out. Like... Your, your sons are literally dying on the floor. on the floor. Try to help them first. Yeah, don't... Oh, my God. It, that, it's a little weird of a thing to point out while you're, like, you're half saying, my babies are dead while they're not even dead, and then you're also just like, oh, but I'm also hurt. Yeah, I'm exactly. injured. Help me. Um. So, yeah, and, I mean, police got there immediately, and they immediately started the investigation, and, I mean, really sadly, Devin and Damon had been, like, pronounced dead at the scene by paramedics, and Darlie was taken to the hospital for her injuries, and she actually remained in the hospital for two days. Oh, my God. For, like, I guess the surgery on her neck. I don't know. Um, but let's go. I wonder if that hurt. Did that wake her up? Nope. (laughs) I can't. I can't deal with... She's a light sleeper when it's her baby, when she has to do something with her baby, but, you know, like, yeah, exactly. when, you should, you're being when you're being stabbed, stabbed not a big deal. <laughs> or when your children are getting stabbed next to you, not a, not a big deal, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get to the first theory. So, this is the Darlie did it theory. And in this episode, we're only going to have two theories because there's really only two possibilities. So, I mean, yeah, there's really only one suspect in this case. I don't know how familiar you guys are with this case, but it's... Pretty well known. She's convicted. Yeah, Darlie is convicted on death row currently. So we're gonna talk about the Darlie did it theory. Is I mean that's kind of what we think happened, right? Yeah. And then 
we'll go over a little bit on the darling didn't do it theory because that theory's kind of gotten a lot more publicity recently like a lot of people have started theorizing what could have happened mm -hmm. and i don't know so we'll leave it up to you guys to decide yeah so her story firstly her story is inconsistent with the evidence at the scene and i mean like first she said that the intruder had exited the house through the garage specifically through the window screen because the window screen had been cut However, it was proven that there was no sign of exit through the garage and the dust on the windowsill where the screen had been cut was undisturbed. Okay, that's, wait, that's weird. Yeah. That's really weird. That's like so, no one could have gone through there. Exactly. So unless this guy was like a gymnast and, and he, he like, like pole vaulted himself through, through the <laughs> window. Like, was on like a zip line? Yeah, literally. Uh, he, yeah. And then also <laughs> like... They can do testing for like the littlest bit of DNA or blood and there was no blood spatters in the garage or on the windowsill which indicates that if someone had just so brutally murdered two children and attempted to murder a woman, maybe it was in a bubble suit. Blood. What is a bubble suit? You've never seen those? Like if you go to, like sometimes they have them at like amusement parks and stuff where they'll have people put on those giant, like they look like, like you're wrapped in like the stuff that you pack boxes with, like, like a bubble wrap, like a oh. giant bubble thing and then they'll have people like box. So how would he have gone through the window? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine he's like walking into your garage and yeah, but he wouldn't have, he wouldn't covered in blood <laughs> trying to go through the window? <laughs> he wouldn't get the blood stuck to him though. So wearing, like a poncho. How would he have you fit through the window? Maybe he was wearing like a full body condom. <laughs> Guys, it's late. It's late. We're tired. This is like sleepover energy. Yeah, this is a little sleepover energy. Um, and I mean, like, there was no sign that someone had run through the garage, much less someone who, like, was covered in blood, most likely. And, um,. Overall, throughout the entirety of the garage and the mulch and the flower beds outside of the window, there's no traces of blood or DNA from a killer other than an unidentified fingerprint. However, let me point out, fingerprints can be, like, can stay the same for, like, 50 years. Yeah, so, I mean, it literally could have been anyone. And these people were living above their means, so it could have been, like, a gardener or something. Or, like, a maid. Yeah. Literally. It literally could have been anyone. It could have been, like, someone just walking by. Yeah. Someone was just in their backyard, like, well, pretty flower. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, okay, this is a weird thing, but the knife that was actually used to kill the boys and injure Darley was on the ground of the laundry or utility room. And when Darley found it, she was, like, on the phone with 911, and she's quoted saying that we could have gotten the prince, maybe, if she hadn't picked it up. What she did, and she moved it into the kitchen. Oh, well, that was nice of her. Yeah, so nice of her. Um, but let me say, the bloody, where she said that the bloody knife had, where she found it, it would have been, like, dropped by the killer, and there would have been blood spatter all over the place. However, crime scene techs, like, determined that it had literally been placed on the ground. Not so, dropped. So you're telling me an intruder in a full body condom came through and then placed a knife on the floor yes. and then escaped through the garage window? Somehow, yes. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, and, okay. <laughs> also, Darley claimed that the intruder had ran through the house when she tried to chase after him. <laughs> and that he had knocked over a single wine glass in the pursuit. Nothing else. Just a single wine glass. 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I keep picturing some guy in like a full, <laughs> like you ever see those things outside of like gas stations? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm imagining one of those running through the house. <laughs> I have a problem. So <laughs> it was proven that like when the police cleaned up the glass and stuff, right? There were her bloody footprints underneath the glass shards and a vacuum that she had also claimed had been, quote-unquote, knocked over. This is indicating that she had placed the vacuum and knocked over the wine glass as a cover-up because Hmm. she had walked underneath it before it even fell. That's clever. Very clever. Why bother trying to cover it up like that? Like, why? Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to knock over a single vacuum. And I'm going to step underneath it with my bloody feet. I'm going (laughs) to knock a wine glass on the ground. And then I'm going to say that's the only thing he knocked over in the house. That's just dumb. Like, that literally makes you look more incriminating. No, yeah. Um, um yeah, that just makes you look more incriminating. <laughs> okay, so also in this theory, her injuries just don't add up, like, at all. First off, a large majority of her injuries were superficial, and so, like, they literally just damaged her skin. Yeah. Like, nothing else. And they literally were proved to have been most likely self-inflicted. And so also, how the fuck did she have bruises all over her arms, which if you look, there were bruises all over her arms, if she was not in some sort of like hand-to-hand confrontation with the killer. And, you know, you think that she would mention this confrontation mm-hmm. because she has everything else so well Thought explained. Out. And I just think it's weird. And also, like, if there was this crazy, like, combat thing, how did her husband and seven-month-old baby, like, not wake up? Literally. Like, okay. I know people who have little babies who are even, like, two years old at this point, and if they are napping upstairs, you whisper in that house, even if you are multiple floors below them, because even a little thing will wake them up and set them off. Like, I just don't understand. It's a little weird. And so, also, the slash on her neck was close to hitting her artery, but, like, not quite deep enough. And I'm just saying, if a killer is skilled enough to kill two children while also making, like, no noise, you'd think he would know how to cut, like, someone's throat deep enough to kill them. Literally. Like, if if he can just make it through the house with, like, no cover, like, no yeah. anything, like, no evidence against him, how how did he not kill her? Exactly. And why would he kill the two children in the same way and then try and do a different thing to her? It's so that weird. clearly he wasn't good at if he was exactly trying to do it. He was trying to change things up, spice it up a little bit. Spice it up for the final thing that he should. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um. Lastly, I'm just gonna get onto Darlie as a person. So Darlie was actually suffering from postpartum depression, which caused her to compl- contemplate suicide on multiple occasions, like Jillian had said earlier. And I mean, she documented it in her diary, and that was actually shown in court, and it was used against her. And, I mean, the one thing in this case that I don't really like is that there was, like, extreme character assassination against Darlie that I feel was used against her a little bit unfairly. However, I do feel like it's important to bring up mental health as well as other things because the police, as well as the prosecution, as well as the defense, and, like, all of this was used when they deliberated putting her into jail. You know what I mean? And, you know, here's just what I think. I think that we should not be using mental health to build up a case against someone, Mm -hmm. but, like, that's why we're bringing this up last in this theory, because it proves somewhat of a motive, but the case wasn't built around it. The case was built around a lot of other things. Like, we've basically already established a crime occurred. Yeah. And now we're just explaining a little bit more of the motive in the background. Yeah, and, uh, like, more of the, I guess, like, the benefactor that made people think 
a little bit more like, oh, I think this is kind of an explanation. You know exactly. What I mean? And like in no way are we trying to say that this is why she did it necessarily. I just think it's an important thing to talk about. Like we shouldn't disclude it. It's a part of the case. It's a big part yeah. of the case. It's just not the deciding factor. Exactly. Um, so I'm gonna get into the, a little bit of like an injury. So the injury on her throat that like it should have killed her technically. It was only two millimeters away from her carotid artery which is like nothing. And I mean, many people say, like a lot of the research I did, they were like, okay, um, why would someone do that to themselves? Like there's no way someone did that intentionally to themselves. But I mean, if she was trying to kill herself after realizing the extent to what she had done, like did she simply just like escape death and that's what caused her to try and set up the crime scene and stuff? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a really weird situation. Yeah. And I mean, also, let's say she was doing that to herself as, like, a cover-up or something. She wouldn't have known that there was, an, like, a big artery right there. And therefore, she probably wouldn't have known how deep she would have had. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless she did some research or something. Yeah, and that would have had to been, like, it would have, I don't know. It just would have had to been so specific to be, like, I don't know. And, I mean, like we said earlier, if there was an intruder, they would have known how to do it in a way that would have, like, instantly killed her. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, but honestly, the most damning thing is a video that was released only a week after the murders that showed Darlie and her family around their graves, around her son's graves, singing and dancing and laughing for one of their birthdays. And... This is the worst part. They were spraying silly string on their gravestones. Okay. Okay. So basically, here's what I think about this. I can understand that they're trying to have some joy on when it would have been their birthdays if they died. Like, mm-hmm. I, can, I can really get that, actually. Spraying silly st- string on their gravestones is disrespectful. I don't yeah. I don't know what situation that could be, like, totally normal or accepted in. And, I mean, I'm not a person who's like, oh, well, you, you shouldn't do this because of this. there's dead people there. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not like that. I, I have probably stepped on many gravestones in a cemetery true. before. Very true. I'm not, like, weirdly offended by that. I just think that silly string is disgusting and spraying it on your kids' graves is a little bit incriminating. It's disrespectful, especially a fresh grave. I don't know how to explain that, but, like, that wouldn't be okay on anyone's grave unless someone who had passed away requested that. (laughs) Yeah, like, please spray silly string on my grave. Please do it for me. But you know what I mean? Like, that's just not really okay. That's not something you do. Yeah, Maybe pop a confetti cannon in the air, but don't (laughs) spray silly string on your child's grave. And, I mean, like... The weirdest part that the press caught up on was the fact that Darlie wasn't acting like a grieving mother. She was smiling and laughing and, like, chewing gum, which is mentioned a lot of places. I don't really... Yeah, I noticed that. There's a lot of mentions of her chewing gum. Of her chewing gum. Maybe she just had bad breath. Yeah, maybe she had bad breath. I don't know. I chew gum a lot. I love gum. Gum is nice. Gum's like candy, but it's like, I don't like candy. I can't explain it. Gum is currency. In school, too. It is so currency. Like, I mean, not anymore. Everyone's got, like, masks yeah. on. That's so depressing. It is really depressing. Remember people used to, like, just straight up, like, trade gum for, like, slime in school? Yeah. American spinners. public school. Yeah, literally. Um, and, I mean, like, that type of behavior is not okay. Like, it's not normal for a grieving mother. No. And, I mean, like, I totally get that you want to celebrate your child's birthday after they had passed away. But... There is a 
time and a place and a way to do that in a way that's not so blatantly disrespectful. With silly string. With silly string. <laughs> I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I'm just giving my, my opinion. Well. I'm not trying to, like, tell anyone what to think. I just personally find the silly string to be a little little much. Yeah. I was all on board until the silly string hit. Exactly. And, I mean, another thing was that there was a candlelight vigil that actually happened, like, before the birthday celebration thing. And a lot of people actually don't talk about it, but it was also covered by the press. It just wasn't released. And, I mean, honestly, I think that's a very important thing to have. But also, I that just makes the silly string thing worse for me. I don't know how to explain that. But, like, if you go to a candlelight vigil, I feel like it would make you, like, make you contemplate a lot of things, kind of make you sad, but also happy and celebrate your child's life. But then you turn around and go to their gravestones and spray silly string on them. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I really don't. I can't speculate anymore on it because I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe your son said something about wanting to do like a silly string fight at his next birthday and it didn't happen. I know, but I feel like they would have mentioned that. You, you know what think? I mean? I don't, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know yeah. a lot of things. And actually, like, the whole silly string thing, it's such a crucial part of this case because, like, this was what put Darley into, like, jail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so now I'm going to get up a, or get into a little bit the Darley didn't do it theory because this theory's come out a lot more in recent years. I think a lot of people are just starting to speculate different things on this case. Mm-hmm. And so let me get into that a little bit. So there were no eyewitnesses, no confession, and, I mean, not too much of a motive. We've talked yeah, about it a really, little bit, yeah. but it's not like a big substantiated motive. Um, and the primary aspect of this theory is that there was an intruder, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. And essentially, this intruder would have entered the house and killed Devin and Damon, and then proceeded to attack Darley. And somehow, Darley would have slept through her son's murders. And through herself getting stabbed in yes, the throat. Yes, exactly. And then, sometime between stabbing Darley and Darren coming downstairs, he escaped the house through the garage. But this theory is just totally improbable, in my opinion, because A, there's no evidence showing that someone entered the house, like we mm -hmm. talked about. There was nothing. Um, Darley's injuries were most, like, they were mostly proved to be self-inflicted. Yep. And there's just no motive for an intruder. Like, seriously, why? I can't come up with one reason. Like, there's a few reasons for murder, I guess. Like, revenge, robbery, and, like, sexually motivated. And yeah. And this would have been none of those. None of those. Like, there were literally diamonds sitting out of the crime scene, and, like, he would not... He didn't take he them. He didn't take any of them. And I mean, like, why would you go into a house and just kill two people and attempt to kill another person when there are also two other people upstairs? And then not take anything? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys you guys think for yourselves. Decide what you think on this case. I think we've kind of made it a little too clear what yes, we think. Yes, we are very partial on this case. I think it's because, literally, I think recording twice, like, convinced me more. No, same with me. Like, I didn't really think. If you listen to the original copy, which no one will ever be able to do because yes. it's been corrupted by Apple, I was not quite as intense about this, but I mean, now I feel really intense about it. I I am all, like I am so convinced of this. I think I'm more convinced than Patsy Ramsey in the John Bonet case. Seriously, like honestly, this is like literally this is like sleepover talk. Like literally, everything gets like deeper once it's dark outside. Exactly. This is like sleepover time for Izzy and I anyway, because we go to bed at like ten o'clock when we have sleepovers. Yeah, we're like old women. Oh my god. 
Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So this is the case of Darlie Routier. Remember to go wish Izzy a happy birthday and tune in to another case on April 15th. We will not be having a new episode next week because of spring break and Izzy and I are going to the beach for her 16th <laughs> birthday. And um, so yeah, just go wish her a happy birthday because she's Izzy and she deserves everyone to Aww. wish her a happy birthday. Um, so before you go, we want to share a little bit about Bordinary Teens Podcast. Ordinary Teens Podcast is a super cool teen podcast that talks about really important social issues through a teenager's perspective. And, you know, us teenage podcasts gotta, like, support each other. Yeah, we gotta stick together. I mean, we're, like, a small but large community, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. There's more of us than I thought. Yeah, there, honestly, there totally is. But, yeah, go check them out wherever you get your podcast and find them on Instagram. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye! Bye.